listening to a podcast from Light FM. It's the Light Breakfast with Asha and Terry. Good morning. Good morning. Now, on today's edition of Payday, we're opening up the conversation about money and work, mm. or rather, making your wages work for you. Terry caught up with our guest Cheryl Core to find out how she was able to be financially savvy enough during her career to lay the foundations right for early retirement at forty-seven. So mm-hmm. Cheryl, thank you for joining us here today. We know that you're a person who managed to do what many people are trying to do, <laughs> which is retire um, early. First, before we get into all that, tell us a bit about your corporate background. How did you rise through the ranks and pave this career, that fantastic career that you had into the finance world or through the finance world? Tell us about that first. Okay, okay, Tara. I thought you were going to ask me about my age, but never mind. Since you asked me about oh, my background, I'll do since that you, Since you brought it up, Cheryl, <laughs> since you brought it up, if we you don't, if you don't mind, do tell us your age. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm 47. When, I was 47 when, when I decided reti- yes. that, okay, I wanted to retire. And to be honest with you, Terry, I've never envisioned early retirement, to right. be honest. Back to your question, I started my uh, career. Uh-huh. Well, actually, I started mathematics in university. So okay. when you study generic science subject, you, mm-hmm. you will realize the underlying is these folks, they don't know what they want to do in life. Like, you know? <laughs> I love your honesty. Okay. You know, like, yeah. okay, la, I mean, if you buying time to figure out what you want to do, right? Ah, yeah. Law, whatever you know. Okay. okay la, that's my destiny. But if you study like physics, chemistry, math, or whatever, you know, these fellas all are, they are, they basically still up in the air. I'm not sure what to yes. do. So I ended up doing mathematics, right? Mm-hmm. Because why? I prefer to look at numbers versus, say, in a lab, looking at microscopic, you know, bacteria or viruses or whatever. Yeah. So, Somehow, I did not plan my career, to be honest with you. Mm. Thank God I did relatively well in university. Mm-hmm. And this was in 98. So I graduated in 98. Huh? Mm-hmm. Somehow, you know, large corporations, their programs to basically hunt for good talent, right? After university. Yep. I was uh, offered by P&G, Procter & Gamble. And I said, Are you, I don't want to make shampoo and soap and all that. <laughs> okay. okay. And then EY. EY is a big four, one of the big four audience Ernst and Young, yep. Uh, Ernst and Young at that yeah. time now they're called EY I said okay la, you want to come and join us I said okay la. don't know what's there I said let's do it man okay. so I jumped into the audit bandwagon so the first somehow, job you took was Ernst and Young that was your Ernst when you and went, Young right? that's right okay, okay. yeah in 98 and 98 was the financial crisis by the way yes, yes. so fated la. so I went to EY and then basically started from ground zero make coffee photo stack you know that kind of thing right. <laughs> and lo and behold before you know it Terry I've been there for 15 years I'm like 15. what <laughs> at which point or position in the corporate ladder were you at that point in 15 years? Well, I was an uh, executive director. Congratulations. Even though, of course, I'm saying this too late, <laughs> I realize, but well done to then you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Because work like dog, ma. <laughs> so after those 15 years, what happened next? I had four offers, you know, large corporations and, and Deloitte. Deloitte was one of them. I said, wow, I want to go into another audit firm again. However... Uh, they offered me to lead the risk advisory business, Deloitte, which is okay. really is a complement to the finance area that I was doing in in an audit industry, right? Right. So I say why not? So I went in there. I, I led a business at that point. So I was in Deloitte for I think let me say I joined in 2012, 2013, mm-hmm. and I retired in 2021. 2021. So how many years is that? Eight years. 
Wow. wow, that was the one that was killer lah. That eight years in Deloitte was I I move up the the ladder so quickly. I think I I, I had high blood pressure at the end of my career <laughs> because you just sped. You were like a rocket through. Yes, yeah, yes. And just before I retired, Terry. Yeah. And everybody kills me for this, right? Yeah. I was slotted to take over the global role for the risk advisory business. Right. Right. Yeah, they call it accounting and internal control. They okay, let's do it, man. <laughs> Covid hit. Yeah. And then I was like, everybody grounded, right? We were all mind blown, right? Don't know what they have to do. At that point, I I actually had a lot of reflection points, lah. And and that's where the retirement notion came about. But anyway, that, that so was only at that point. That's when you started thinking of retiring. Yes, like yes. that's very <laughs> close to actually deciding on retiring early. You that's when you decided to do it. So close to yeah, the actual yeah, point of making that decision. Moment. It's not like you plan this ahead, like right. ten years. Ahead. No, no, no. You are a hard worker, and of course, your your talents and your hard work were recognized. And then when it comes to that point in everyone's career, at those various points where you get brought in, and they let you know that they're going to promote you to that next point of what, whichever point you're at in your career. Along with that comes the the salary, the increased salary at that point. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> yes. So yes. is that if a person at that point wants to negotiate that ah. with that position, the salary that comes along with it? In your opinion, should that negotiation happen, or should a, uh, an employee just say, "Okay, I'll take the this present along with whatever that they're offering," or should they negotiate at that point? Okay, a problem is Malaysian HR structure, human yeah. capital frameworks, and all that. Mm-hmm. It's quite cast in stone. <laughs> oh, so there's not much of a choice to wiggle. There's no wiggle room, is it? Ah, I, we are so structured yeah. that it is like you know, there's very very discipline. You speak to any HR heads, it's very disciplined way of doing it because. They're talking about like ten thousand staff, nine thousand yeah, staff, yeah. eight thousand staff. If you start tweaking salaries and agree to negotiations, yeah, you're gonna set a precedent. And you're gonna be chaos after that, right? But right, everybody right. else is saying, "Hey, the fellow got increased. Why don't I get <laughs> yeah. it?" You know, it makes a lot of sense. That. What you're saying yeah. absolutely makes a lot of sense. I, the reason I'm asking is, is because uh, currently in the current work environment that we work in, when the younger group of people who are joining our workforce do mm. have a tendency based on uh, the feedback that we get from many HRs and articles, news articles that we've seen, they do make that negotiation make that negotiation effort at that point already which is why I'm trying to mm. find out what's the the difference that happens f- with people of our age mm. <laughs> and uh, the the younger people who are joining the workforce so it's interesting that you mentioned this that you just worked hard and you just f- worked through the ranks and just went through the went ranks up. yeah right you just worked <laughs> yeah. through the ranks right yeah and then there are ups and downs lah, you know because it depends on how you're rated whether you're you know they have a rating system one to five right. generally right yes, yes three being average and then four above average one means I mean, one means you're out. We get that evaluation every, (laughs) sometimes every quarterly, sometimes every half a year, depending Ah, on where you work on. I'm sure, I'm sure Light FM will have that too. Yes, the self-evaluation one that you have to do and then you submit and then you sit down and you talk, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there are ups and downs, right? Over your years as you get promoted or, you know, your periodic uh, promotions, the ups and downs, obviously, because at some point in your life, you're dealing with, say, kids, family, marriage, and some points you can concentrate. So I think you got to take it with a pinch of salt, lah, right? But yeah. I think overall average, you got to do well, lah, right? right? You got to yeah. do well, right? And if you yeah. do well, you get to the fours and the fives rating and you get your... Uh, what you deserve. Uh, you get what, uh, you, what deserve. you deserve. What you deserve from an increment. And then the only variation I find is mm. the bonus. Lah. Ah. Ah, okay, the bonus you can negotiate. Lah. Okay. How does a person go about negotiating that? Like if they are in that uh, meeting already, how how does that mm. happen? And what's the what do you think is the best way to do it? 
in your opinion okay i think it's about whether you can agree with your boss and you're having that conversation with your boss of hr mm-hmm. here are the sort of like the value that i have created or the value that i have brought to the company in the last 12 months right mm. give them evidence okay i've done this i've done this what have i demonstrated you know from a soft skills standpoint from a hard skills standpoint what are the projects i delivered what was the outcome and then you can even do a peer assessment on your own you know get feedback like why i sometimes do i get feedback from my clients and i keep that so that when i come to that assessment i, I show my boss i say hey my client loves me man you know i'm an asset to the company or whatever yeah, it is yeah. like, i mean in not so many words right, right because right. third party validation ah uh, very hard to ask question one <laughs> right you're <laughs> you know? right it's someone when, when else it's your, yeah uh, when is your fellow friends or peers mm. or they can you can always collude and say hey you say good things about me uh, right. i say good things about you and you know we count each other but when is a third party validation and mm. your clients are there saying that you know terry is an asset you know mm. we, we can't not have her in the project blah 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 that is a very strong external validation that right. you have done well for the company you represented the company well right. and hence you should get more than say the rest lah you know you that is a very ah. good point that you're making actually yeah that like not not everyone puts it as plainly as you do which it seems like you're a very straightforward person which is very great that we're having this conversation with you now yeah third party yeah. validation one of the important things that you can one present of it, yeah. in yeah one definitely now that we've learned your rise through the ranks and and what you did uh, your achievements in reaching to the point where you could retire now we're going back to that day again that you mentioned at the age of 47 you realized that you could retire and that idea popped into your head at that point right remember you mentioned it earlier yeah, yeah, like, okay yeah, you know yeah. what it's an option at this point so from the yeah. idea that it's an option to actually making it happen tell us yeah. about that process yeah Okay, okay. So I was riding high in Deloitte. I told you I was slotted for global my my global peers, yeah. you know, from Italy, from Australia. My boss mm-hmm. was in Australia. He's a great guy, lovely guy, you know, Dave Kennedy, I remember his name. They were shocked. They fell off their chair. They're like, "What? Chair? <laughs> Why you retire?" I was like, "Bracing for impact, you know." It's like Michael Schumacher, you know, like you are already like at the top. Then suddenly you say, "I want to retire." I'm like, "Ah, yeah. at your I'm, peak, you know, at your peak." At yes. Your peak, yeah. You know? It was tough because it was a personal decision. So because I worked so hard during my career, I actually had kids late. Right. right. So I had my first kid at 39, mm-hmm. my second kid at let me see 43, 44. Mm-hmm. I told you I was I had a Southeast Asia and Asia Pacific. Right? I was actually living off the suitcase. So I was at airports, I right. was traveling, I was going to Japan, China, dealing with all this. So I was never at home. Right. So when COVID hit, it grounded me. <laughs> All right. It forced you. It forced you to be grounded. Right. Yeah. And at that point, I didn't realize. Actually, I did not have any relationship with my kids. Oh, okay. Ah, so I I'm very honest about brutal honest about it. It was it was a interesting tipping point because I I knew that my kids were young and I didn't have relationship because when they're young they don't. I mean, you can't really talk to them or whatever. I I had I I had a helper. You know, I had very mm. strong family structure. So when it grounded me, and I realized I didn't have relationship with my kids, I like it, it just hit me that if I don't do something now mm. in this small window when they're at this age where you're mm. supposed to build that foundation with your kids, right. I will lose that opportunity forever. Because once they are like, uh, you know, like in secondary school, high school, or even when they are. Adults, right? That's it, right? It's a different dynamics altogether, yes. lah. Yeah? They start making their own separate lives at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So I, I, and how do we then deal with say teenage issues or mm. at that point? Because you didn't even have relationship at the beginning. Mm, mm. You know, I just told my husband one day. I said, after reflecting for a couple, I said, I think I need to make make a call. Do I want to 
just be here with my kids first now yeah and maybe think about what i want to do later or, or or i just like wait for covid to you know pan out and then just move on back to the rat race living on airports again right. and by the time if i take on the global ride, that's it it's too late already you know because yes. once you're there you will not have the conscious because uh, you're part of the machine already at that point you're yes, plugged in yeah, and then you're just yeah. going to be spinning those wheels usually people retire that i know that my friends is either right. they got cancer or they got very debilitating kind of disease mm. you know it's like a that forces mind, them a life-changing yeah. event right like right. a new event right so i told myself well i just said i need to have time with my kids my kids are very important because i only have two kids and that's it right mm. Uh, after looking at numbers because we need to be able, be able to be financially viable as yeah. well got to be realistic uh, about it yep got to be realistic yeah. because remember the plan was to retire at 60 so yep. the financial projections was for 60 not for 47 yeah. <laughs> you follow yeah yeah uh, so we had to look at the numbers and we had to make some calls mm-hmm. uh take some risks mm-hmm. um make some assumptions you know so and we say yeah i think we will try Right. We will try. Having yeah. gone through your life and your ability to then retire early, if someone wanted to be able to do what you did, looking at yeah. your journey, what could they yeah. emulate from you? Okay, when you are younger, you must already start thinking of your nest egg already, as you pointed out, right? Right. Because time is money. <laughs> time is money, yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, and then, ah, uh, I think the other learning that I had over my lifetime is that never be afraid to make mistakes. Mm. Never be afraid because mistakes is experience, is learning. Yeah. You don't cry if you lost like ten, twenty thousand on a certain investment or whatever, because right. it's all part of that learning process, right? right. And the other thing I also realize, don't put everything in one basket. Mm. A lot of young folks they don't think about when they're old because they always think their kids will take care of them. <laughs> you're right. Whatever. You're making. You see another very clear point you're making right there as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like okay, <laughs> I have kids. My kids will take care of me or whatever. Right. So I always think of myself as an independent person. Right. Uh, if I retire, what will happen? What is that contentment level that I want? Mm. How what are you contented with? Because contentment level ah uh, will determine how much money you need after retirement. Right. right. Yeah. To be comfortable. Yeah? Right. Yeah. To be comfortable. Yeah. Mm. Well, mm. not even comfortable. Content. I content. Think comfort, yes. Ah, uh, it's not about comfort or not. It's about content. Yeah. Right. Like to feel and that I you're happy at that. Yeah. Ah, uh, to feel you're happy and you have you can decide what you want to do. I think that is that notion of being able to decide what you want to do and when you want to do it or mm. whether you want or not to do it is such a powerful notion mm. to liberate. To liberate your your soul and your life. Yeah, it's true, right? Yeah, uh-huh. because we go to work because we are forced to go to work because we we you get to house. <laughs> you have to every time you get up from bed, you go to go to work, and you do it because you are you are indebted. You know, you got liabilities, you got family to feed, and all that. Blah blah blah. I still have liabilities. I still have family to feed as well. Mm-hmm. There is. I'm not like any like anyone else. It's just that I needed to ensure that I have enough passive income. Mm. Mm. To be able to cover whatever I need to cover, mm-hmm. and if, if there's anything that I need to top up, I'm still in a productive age. I can choose to do things that I want to do that can generate yeah. some income. You understand? Yep. Yep. Uh, yes, so it's yes. about that that balance. So that's so, what they should strive to do to be able to reach yes. this point. They need to be even like you said. You so would I? Would it be safe to say, or would I be right to say that whether you're intending to retire early or not, the idea mm. is to always start thinking of retirement early on already. It needs yes. to be something that you're planning for from the point from whichever point you're at. Primary even point, if yeah. you're not thinking, you hadn't been thinking about it up to this point at whichever age you are right now. Yeah. Start now. Start now because you you can't just expect the the kids to take care of you or the. <laughs> Or it's something. Or the parents take care of you. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Good point on that one. I still got my friends my age. 
still yeah. staying with their parents. Their parents are taking care of them. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and that's it's not like crazy. Exactly right. <laughs> so the planning ahead is definitely something. Do you feel that because mm. of your line of work, because you worked in finance and in a, a corporate setting, and with your background in mathematics, do you feel that was a huge contributor to you actually being able to achieve what you've done in retiring early? Did that? I must say, to some extent, yes. Right? I must say. Uh, I must say because I'm not financially illiterate, so yeah. that helps. That yes. helps, you know. For those who are financially illiterate or not exposed, then they need to basically make some effort to learn, lah. Yes. Right to learn, make mistakes. Then you, you know, you get up again, and then you explore. Life is always a learning process, anyway, right? Yeah. And you get to somewhere that you're comfortable. And, and I must say this also. I think when you retire, it doesn't mean that you have to be debt free and you have a pile of cash sitting in the account, yeah. you know, wait, waiting <laughs> for you. I don't think so. I I think it's about just coming to a point in your life where you say, okay, like, I want to do what I want to do, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and not get stuck in a career that I've been stuck with all this while. Mm-hmm. Uh, but comfortable, and I think you must have a variety of investments right whether it's cash property or you know other types of investment mm-hmm. and you have done so since the beginning uh, because you know there's a trend the trend <laughs> for me it's about uh, trending right the income is consistent over the years so you know okay you're comfortable and the power of there. compounding interest <laughs> that's right power <laughs> of compounding interest and then you have various ways of making sure that even though you retire with liabilities, you are able to manage those. You understand what I'm right. saying, Terry? Because so, you've got other income that can cover your liabilities yeah, already. You know that you've correct. placed enough investments in other, whichever vehicles, uh, investment whatever, vehicles that yeah. you've chosen, whether it's correct. a property that you've, an extra property that you've been paying for that you can sell off, whether yeah, it's a smaller business that you've been running along the side, correct. a partnership yeah. you have with someone else that's going on. You need to correct. be able to diversify in some sort of way, whether it's um, unit trust or whatever, whatever. Uh, but like whatever you said, la, yeah. <laughs> it comes down to education, yes, being able to yes. learn what you need to do. For a, a person who is not as financial educated in yourself, would you say a financial advisor, a proper financial advisor would be uh, an option mm. that they should consider? When I say financial advisor, I don't mean the insurance agent. <laughs> okay, that's how it's about I don't mean that. the one that has your, your uh, private okay. advisor at the bank. I mean a proper, a proper fiduciary financial uh, advisor financial advisor yeah. I, I i think okay as not as, as you mentioned Derek, there's no vested interest in the background yes so uh, it must area. be an independent financial advisor who has the heart and soul of your own personal interest in mind yeah you know yeah uh, i think it's okay but i do find that sometimes when you listen to financial advisors is this from their lens correct and they can be very corporate not so much mm. personal you understand so and not all financial advisors are equal. There are better uh, ones than others. You need to find one. Uh, if you are going to go down that route, you need to find yeah. the right financial advisor for yeah. you as and, well. And someone that has your personal interest in mind and your own personal risk appetite. I call it a risk appetite mm, because yeah. some people are more conservative than others. Some are more go-getters. They, they like to take big risks, big risks, big returns, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. So you have to find your chi lah and make sure that the financial advisor is able to guide you to be very open about guiding you to various types of investments yeah. and don't sugarcoat or greenwash, you know, for the lack of a better word, right. some of the, the returns on those investments because they can tell you a whole wonderful jing bang at the beginning but <laughs> after waiting for 10 years, Terry, whatever that's been represented to you 10 years ago has not crystallized. 
lies ah. I'm so sorry you know? <laughs> I get what you're saying you've inspired me Cheryl it's been such a great oh, conversation oops. with you so uh, my plan is to also be retired and as happy as you are at this point and to be at that point where you know what it's up to me it's up to me whether what I want to do next although I gotta say I'm loving this job right now so that my boss hears me say this <laughs> I really appreciate you so much Cheryl you're most welcome you're most, I really enjoy our conversation too <laughs> you've been listening to a Light FM podcast on Shock. That's S-Y-O-K.